In the annual business meeting, we have an opportunity, and we will be doing it this year, is adding deacons to our ministry staff here at Sweet Communion. Our leadership staff team has decided to add two positions to deacons, and so we will be voting on those at our annual business meeting in May, May the 10th. There's a couple things that I want to uh, share with you that needs to be done for that process to happen. Um, our leadership team has nominated, the leadership team serves as the nomination committee. And so the leadership team nominates uh, men who uh, they uh, deem are qualified and would serve well in that capacity. But also those nominations are open to you as members of the church to nominate. Our leadership team has nominated two individuals to be on the ballot to be uh, voted for on our annual business meeting. Those two individuals are Charles Alexander and Nick Kind. Amen. And so they have been chosen by our leadership team to be presented on our ballot so that they can be voted. Additional men can be nominated by members of the church, and here is the process to do that. First of all, you have to be a member to nominate uh, a man. You must nominate that person in writing. That nomination needs to go to the nomination committee, which is our leadership team. Leaders, could you stand up for me? Uh, Cliff is not here at the moment. Oh, there he is. Okay. So we have in the back three of our leaders, our three deacons, Cliff, Lawrence, and Andy, and then our elder, Brian, and myself as pastor. So that's our leadership team. Um, you need to nominate that person in writing by, here's the deadline date, and that is Wednesday, April the 12th. So it's about two and a half weeks from today. Wednesday, April the 12th is when you need to get a nomination in. And here's the other thing that we would like you to do. Don't just n nominate somebody that you think is, is, is going to serve or do well there, but talk to that individual and make sure that they are willing to serve and that they feel that they're qualified to serve in that process. And what happens with those nominations is they come to us in April 12th, <clears throat> by Wednesday, April the 12th, Deadline for nominating, our leadership team will evaluate those who are nominated as well as those who we have nominated ourselves to their fit and their qualification. The biblical qualifications are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. Uh, we will examine them and their wives, if they are married, for their fitness for that position. And then upon our examination, present them in the ballot at our annual business meeting on May the 10th. And so those two highest voters, uh, votes, the ones who receive the two highest votes will then be chosen to be a part of our leadership team as deacons. So that is the process uh, that's going to happen at our annual business meeting. Now, I have, I'm going to have a copy available of two things that I want you to be aware of that's also going to happen for our business meeting. The first page is a, a two-page um, um, document that all members should get. I'm going to make that available um, by our leadership team so you can come and, and get that from them. The first page shows our constitution and what, the, um, what, what it says about the position of a deacon, the qualifications, the duties, the election, and the dismissal of deacons that is stated in our Constitution. This is just rewritten for you so you can have a handy copy of that. The second page is a proposal that our leadership team will make at our annual business meeting to make a change to our Constitution. It's a very short change. It has to do with the terms of the deacons. Right now in our Constitution, they serve a three-year term. We are making a proposal to drop the three-year term and not designate a, a, a distinction for the time of their term. So I want you to look at that second page and you can see what it states as our Constitution now and what it is that we're proposing that you will have to vote on at our annual business meeting on May the 10th. 
So if you have any questions about this whole process, uh, please see me or one of your leadership team. These items I'm going to have, I'm going to give to our leadership team so they can uh, pass those out to those who are interested in that information. Also, if you don't have your copy of our constitution, our church constitution, um, we can get you a copy, either an e-copy or a paper copy, and we'll have more information on how you can get that if you're a member and you would like to have that. All right. So I try to take up as little time as possible, but those things are necessary. If you have any questions on that, please see me or one of your leadership, uh, one in the leadership team. All right. Now for our scripture for today, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35, we'll be reading there, Exodus chapter 35. We're going to read the entire chapter of 35 and into chapter 36 through verse 7. So Exodus 35 through 36, verse 7. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles ready and available. If you raise your hand, they'll bring one to you that you can use throughout our service. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's holy word where we'll be reading Exodus 35 through 36, verse 7. This is what the word of God says. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram's skins, and goat's skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece, <clears throat> for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. 
Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose heart stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen or by a weaver by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. May God give us understanding as we preach through this section in God's word today. Let's bow for a word of prayer, after which our choir will come with special music. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your provision, for your people, and for their giving. Help us to glean from your word what you'd have us to learn, that it might challenge and encourage our hearts in what you'd have us to do and how you'd have us to serve. We pray for your people here. There's some who are sick and not here today. We think of Bonnie Dick, and she has been some time in the hospital and now in the rehab center, and just they're working on her and working with her. We pray that your grace will be upon them. We thank you for Bill, who's here today and has been here just about every week, and we just pray that you would um, strengthen him, encourage his heart, and help him. We pray for doctors and their care, in the care of Bonnie, that you would give wisdom and that you would just give her that spirit to trust in you and to cooperate in this process that you've given to see your glory through this. Lord, we pray in the meantime for those who would fill in, who would um, will be needed and truth seekers and in the different areas of service to help carry that load. Um, so Lord, thank you. It just seems like your word just addresses some of those things specifically today. And we pray that our hearts might be 
sensitive to what you have to say in your word today. Bless this work. Use it for your glory. Some, Lord, have hearts that are overwhelmed, that are challenged in the, some of the daily affairs of life. We pray for peace for them. We pray for understanding. We pray for submission to your will. We pray that you'd hold them up, Lord, and encourage their hearts and let them know that you do not disappoint, that those who trust in you find your strength and your provision. Um, it may seem like their load is heavy, um, but you are, are able to give them strength and to give them rest. So we pray that, that we might look to you in that. Teach us how to care for each other and teach us, give us that heart to do that, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated as our choir comes to special music, then the preaching of God's word today.
Amen. Our God is an awesome God. I've said this before. God works in extraordinary ways. And sometimes he works in just ordinary ways. Today we're going to see that process of how he works through what we would think of as ordinary means to do extraordinary things. We come to chapter 35 in Exodus, and we did all of that reading. There's a, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's easy to get kind of tied up in, in, the, in the, uh, the reading itself, but let's not fail to see what's going on. The first three verses, Moses is, re- is rehearsing God's instruction for the Sabbath. And I thought, well, why would that be here? Because the rest of the chapter talks about the work that they're going to do. We've, we've gone through all these chapters in Exodus, and God explained to Moses on the mountain all the things that needed to be built and prepared and made so that they could worship. It was a tabernacle and all the stuff that goes with that. And we've explained that that was basically a, 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 a tent that they would set up and they would take down, and they would, as they journeyed through to where they were going, um, God would have them make camp at certain places and then take up camp and move on to the next location. And everywhere they moved on, they would tear things down and, you know, and, and, and set it back up the next place they got to. And so the first connection is God rehearses or reviews with them his guidelines and regulations for them for the Sabbath. Why would he do that? He's saying, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to do, but don't you dare do it on the Sabbath. Don't you dare do it on the Sabbath. In other words, don't take God's requirements as an excuse to violate his rule. We do that all the time. You know, uh, Pastor, you know, um, um, I know God blessed me with this job, and, and, and I know I'm supposed to be at church, but, but, but. But how are you going to take God's, you know, God gave you a requirement that you need to take care of yourself. You need to work. God understands that. But you need to do things in such a way that you honor God in all that you do. So the first thing he does before he gives them the list of, of things to do is to re- rehearse with them. Make sure you do what I've told you to do and be faithful in serving me. Take out, carve out time for me, first of all. When you do that, then you, everything else can fall in order and in line. So in the next verse, starting at verse 4, he begins to share with them uh, instructions for making contributions for the things that they were to make. In other words, all those chapters in, in the past showed all these things that they were to build so that they could worship God as he required. Where were they going to get that from? Well, the practical way is God was going to have to make it. It wasn't going to fall from the sky, from curtains in the sky. It was God was going to actually have them do the stuff to make it. I love this chapter because it is so practical. Sometimes we look for God to do things when he's already instructed us how to do them. And we need to pay attention to that. Now, of course, they need God's strength and God's guidance, but here he is giving it to them in a practical way. Here is how you're going to get that tabernacle I told you needed to worship me. What are you going to do? You're going to make a contribution. You're going to each give a contribution so we can have the things that we needed. So I call this getting ready for the work that God called them to do. Um, He gives instructions for the contributions for the tabernacle. A couple of important things. Contributions were needed. We get it? Contributions were needed. God wasn't going to uh, create a money tree, right, and say, go out in the parking lot of your church and just go take a leaf off that money tree and put that in the bank And then you can buy the building, 
You can fix the furnaces, fix the furnaces that need to be fixed. You can do the maintenance on the building. No, he says it's not going to work like that. I want you to give the contribution for this to happen. So contributions were needed. But look, God supplied them. How? He supplied them through his people. He did it through ordinary means, not through some extraordinary source. Now, God had done all the plagues in Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea that they could go across. He had fed them with manna. He had fed them, uh, uh, give them water to drink. He had done all these things in miraculous ways. Now he's saying, I'm going to do something great, but I'm going to do it through ordinary means. I'm going to do it through you. So he says... Look at verse 5, a couple of key phrases that help us get the sense of this. We're in chapter 35, verse 5. He says, take from among you. Take from among you. I like that. Sometimes churches think they got to go out and they got to recruit millionaires to be in a church. They think that's, that's how they're going to accomplish God's plan is that, you know, Pastor, you know, your plan ain't working. You got men coming from the re- rescue mission. They, they don't got nothing to give. Ah, but God knows something. <laughs> God says, take from among yourselves. In other words, I'm giving you what you need. You don't need a, a rich sugar daddy, right? You, you, you need to be faithful and give. The other thing I noticed about this He says in verse 5, whoever is of a generous heart. In other words, he wanted people to supply willingly, not out of coercion, but willingly. And he's saying this, when God's people willingly give for God's work, God supplies the need. Sweet communion, we are witness to that every time. I can't think of anything that... I've asked God for, for this work and for this ministry, and he hasn't supplied. Amen. Now, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on us to say, hey, um, God has supplied. What are we doing with it? We won't be able to give excuses before God. He's given us all that we need. We started this ministry. Here is, we're in March, the last Sunday in March, and it was 29 years ago in March that this work was started, and, and, and as that small group of people got together, they wondered, you know, uh, we need a building, but we don't really need a building to do God's work. We just like to meet in it. We can meet anywhere. We can meet in a park. We can meet over my house. You know, we, we, we can meet in an alley somewhere. We can meet almost anywhere. But God was gracious enough over many years to, to give us a building of our own. We met in rented quarters for a while, but God supplied the need for this building. He didn't give it to us the way it looks right now. He didn't. <laughs> when we first bought this building, you could not sit where you're sitting right now. It wasn't prepared. It wasn't finished. It had work to do. How are we going to do that? Well, God raised his people to do what needed to be done. He was doing that same thing. So we see kind of his, 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 his uh, blueprint here. People gave willingly. They gave willingly. And if you think I'm coercing you now, believe it, I'm not. I'm saying this is just how God's work gets done. He charges his people, and, and he didn't say, all y'all need to give X, 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 and X amount. He said, here are all the things that we need. He talked about gold and silver and bronze and, and fine linen and, and, and the yarn that was needed to make the clothing and even the wood that was needed. Uh, so here are the things that we need. And he said, you, you could imagine people would think, well, where's that going to come from? Look in the mirror. <laughs> Look in the mirror. God was going to supply through them. And he did. But they gave willingly. So contributions were needed. The second thing is workers were needed. Workers were needed. In chapter 10, we see this. It says this. Let every skillful craftsman among you come. So volunteers were invited to come. 
and join and do this work. We see through verses 11 through 19 that a lot of work was required. I read through those verses and you see all the things that needed to be made and all the materials that needed to be donated. A lot of work was required. And with that work, a certain amount of skill was required to do that work. But it says in verse 10, let every skilled craftsman among you come. So workers or volunteers were needed, but volunteers also had to have a certain amount of skill to do the job and the work that God was calling them to do. Where were they going to get that from? Again, God works through ordinary means to equip his people with the skills they need to serve him. Guess how they got those skills? I was going to save this for the end of the sermon, but we need to explore it a little bit. People ain't going to like this answer. They honed their skills back in Egypt when they were forced to do labor as slaves. God used even the cruelty of slavery to hone their skills and develop those skills so that they could use them for God. They woke up every morning in Egypt thinking, we working for the man. And God said, no, you're not. He think you're working for him. He makes you think you work, but you're working for me. I'm using this to develop your skills and your abilities so that when I bring you out, you might use them for my glory. I just put your school back in Egypt, that's all. I took you to school in Egypt. Second thing this teaches us is that, look, God is still requiring us to develop skill for his glory. Now, some of us who are older need to go and speak to the younger and tell them that there's a reason they're in school right now. And they need to apply themselves in school right now. Now, some of us are teachers and need to emphasize to both old and young, you never stop learning and you never stop developing. And God is using that. We go, school, what I got to know algebra for? Well, I got to understand fractions and multiplication because these are the basic principles that teach you how this world works, how, it's how, it's, how, it, how, how you figure it out so that you can use your skill to, to do what God wants you to do. God wants us to develop that skill. Don't drop out of school. Don't say, I, I don't see the use of this. And if you have done that and you're older now, apologize to the young guys and tell them I, I was stupid. I was foolish when I did that. And now I want to set a right example. I don't want to just tell you what to do. I want to show you that I'm willing to go back and to get and to work hard and to learn and apply myself so that I can use the abilities God gave me. You know what? God didn't give you skill for nothing. And by the way, God didn't just automatically give you skill. He gives you opportunity to develop, to develop your skill. And it comes through constantly applying it, sometimes under pressure, like slavery back there, that we had to do what we needed to do. And through that having, through, through, through that coercion, we developed and we used our skill for God's glory. God wants us to develop that right now. You're thinking you're working in a dead-end job. You don't know what God's going to use you for in 10 years. You don't know how he's going to turn around and use that very skill that you're learning right now that you think is useless for his glory. So apply yourself right where God put you, even if you can't see that light at the end of the tunnel. Know that God knows what he's doing. And he's equipping and he's using his people in the situations that they're in for his glory. So I noticed that these people, that, that, that the workers were needed, but skill was needed as well. And then this is also needed. We touched on this a bit. 
a volunteer heart. In verse 20, it says, everyone whose heart stirred him. It says again, everyone whose spirit moved him. Verse 22 says, so they came, both men and women. Everyone could be used of God but needed to apply themselves. Verse 22, all who were of a willing heart. You know what? Attitude means everything. If you say you can't do nothing, that means you ain't going to do it. That means you ain't going to do it. That means you ain't even going to try. These were of a willing heart. So lots of stuff was given and lots of work was needed. And I wonder, why did God ask for volunteers? It's an opportunity to serve. God wants to see where your heart is. You know, God called me into ministry, and that, that sense of calling means there's a burden and an obligation to do and to obey God, and that's true. But at the same time, he wants me to submit to that call. He wants me to volunteer myself to him for whatever he's called. You know how you do when a friend says, hey, can you do me a favor? If you like me, the first thing you say What's the favor? Before I volunteer for, what's the favor? What you want me to do? And we tend to do that with God, too. God says, hey, I got something to do. I got something for you to do. You go, whoa, 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 what is it? As if we're going we're gonna to sift through it and see if, we, if or not we want to do it. I wonder why God gave them that choice. He wanted a willing heart because the willingness shows us, it shows our heart that we come. It's our participation in it, that we tie in to God's will. The fact is, God's going to have somebody do it, whether it's you or somebody else. You know, he, he said, hey, I can knock you all out, wipe you to the side, and bring a whole other nation here. I can have Moses have kids, and guess what? I got all the time in the world. I'll wait till they grow up. <laughs> I'll get the right folks for the job. I'll raise the right folks if I need to or, or, or when I need to. Uh, I don't have to use you. But you have an opportunity to be a part of God's work. Volunteer. Volunteer. Now, I don't think Moses had to preach a sermon to them. It doesn't show us that part, but it just says... The people began to give, and they gave. So we talked about how the skill was developed, right, back in Egypt. Where did the raw resources come from? It said they took up the gold that they had, you know, earrings and bracelets and, and, and all the kind of stuff they had. They took up the wood that they had. They took up the yarn that they had. Where did that stuff come from? come from? Well, several sources, but ultimately it came from God. It came from God. There's this old story that's been told so many times. A God-fearing woman had nothing to eat, and she was praying in her room, and her window was open, and there was just a foolish man who didn't love God, who had a bunch of stuff, heard her praying. And he said, I'm going to play a trick on her. She was praying for sustenance, praying for food for that day. And so he went to the store and bought some food and put it at her doorstep and rang the doorbell and knocked on the door and ran away. And she came out and she looked at that that had been left for her and she said, praise God, God has given me what I need. And he came out from hiding and laughed her to ridicule. God ain't gave you nothing. I gave you that. <laughs> you see, you believe in God. That wasn't God, that was me. 
And she said, praise God. God gave even if the devil delivered it. You see? God gives, and he can use whatever source he wants. She was right in understanding. That was an answer to her prayer. He was bold in his pride to say, I'm the God that answered your prayer. And God was saying to him, no, you ain't. You've just been used. You ain't nothing but a puppet. You ain't nothing but a delivery boy who God had you with the wrong attitude to lay it on her doorstop. But as a believer, we see the source of all our good is God, even if God used the devil to deliver it. God gave them things as they left Egypt. He said to them, ask your neighbor for the stuff that you need. And that's how you're going to get it. They simply asked their neighbors in that case, they weren't just neighbors. They were their masters. They were slaves. They asked their, 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 their masters of them to give them stuff for the journey that God had called them to, to take. And guess what? They overwhelmingly gave them stuff. I still don't understand their motivation. I don't know why they did what they did. God simply asked them, the Israelites, to ask the people of Egypt, to give them, and the people of Egypt gave it. Part of it was, man, we don't seen these t- ten plagues that God done imposed on us, and anything y'all ask, we'll give you. God was working in the background, so to speak. But the point is, they gave them. They had so much gold that was given to them. You remember chapter 32, right? Some of the evil people of Israel took their gold and gave it to Aaron, and he made a golden calf out of it, right? And I'm thinking, that takes a whole lot of gold to make that. Did they have anything left? Well, it tells me a couple of things. They had a whole lot left. They had a whole lot left. And it tells me the other thing is that not all of them participated in that wicked process of bowing down to a false god or a golden calf. Not all of them did that. We understand that when we read and we see uh, the, the, the tribe of, of Levi coming and kind of cleansing the people, uh, those who participated in that and, and those who didn't were part of that process, part of the cleansing process. So what it tells me is that they had so much stuff, even though some of the evil ones wasted it on the golden calf, they still had a whole lot that God had set aside by having them plunder the Egyptians. Now, plunder is a term that you usually use when one, one uh, 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 nation fights in war and wins against the other nation and then takes all their goods. But here, they're not in war, and they're slaves, and they simply ask for it, and God gave it over to them. That's part of where all this stuff came from. The other part is... God had just blessed them. Even though they were slaves, God had given them stuff of their own. So they had goats to make the goat skin, uh, to, to weave the, the, the material that they needed. They have some, some of this stuff of their own. God had blessed them. God had given them. God resources his people for his purpose and for his work. But the ordinary means, God asks his people to give and to give willingly. So God gives the resources, the material resources. God gives also what I call the human resources or the skill that was needed to make all of this stuff. And we see that as we get down to the end of chapter 35, it says in verse, uh, yeah, verse 30 of chapter 35, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. Now, I talked a little bit about that process of how we gain 
our skills and how we hone our skills is through practice, it's through hard work, it's through training, it's through school, uh, and, and we do that. But God, note this thing, that God had given these men the ability to do these things. You can see the list of all the things that they were doing. They were skilled craftsmen, and yet they were also like supervisors over the tasks that God had given them to do. A couple things to note. Even those who work with their hands, so to speak, they weren't like Moses who was lead to who was called to lead the people in a spiritual way, they were doing the physical work. Even those who do the physical work, God says, I want you to be committed to me. I've given my spirit to these individuals for the task that they have to do. In other words, if you're working in construction and you're a believer, you need to be committed to the Lord the same way that your pastor needs to be. In other words, you need to say, Lord, Bless this day so the thing, the work of my hands might glorify you. You need to do your job as pleasing to God. Don't make the mistake of thinking that souls aren't at stake. That your work, God has given you a work to do. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, as Colossians would tell us in the New Testament. Do that work. God has called you to a specific work. So if God has called you to be a, a plumber, if God has called you to be a bus driver, if God has called you whatever he's called you to be, do it for his glory and for his purpose. So it says this Bazelel in the Holy App, they were filled with the spirit of God. Notice also, it says they were filled with skill. And intelligence. You know, that comes from God as well. We talk about that process of developing it, but you need to know that the basic thing itself comes from God. God has gifted you in a specific area that he wants you to apply yourself and use for his glory. I think too often we think that when we say God has gifted us, we think that I'm going to have a skill that Nobody else has to my degree. In other words, I'm going to be the best in the world at something. That's not necessarily true. He, wants, he just wants you to do that thing that you do to do it well for his glory. Even if 10 or 15 other people do it, do it for his glory. If you teach, teach to the glory of God. If you play the piano, play the piano to the glory of God. You don't have to be the best in the world to do that to God's glory. If you sing, sing to the glory of God. You don't have to be the best in the world to do that to God's glory, but do your best at what God has given it, given you and do it for his purpose and for his glory. Have that inner attitude of pleasing him. If you are receptionists, do that to the best of God's glory, and for, and for the best of your ability and for his glory, for his purpose. So we see these skilled craftsmen. God had called them. God doesn't just call preachers. God doesn't just call missionaries. God calls what I call ordinary people like you and me. He calls us for the service. We see that this could not be done unless all of God's people got together and did a part that they were intended to do and did it with a willing heart and a generous heart and gave of themselves and their skill to make this happen. It's not a one-man show. It's a body work. It's all those working together for the glory of God. That's what they did. And then I want you to see in, in chapter 36, as these craftsmen began to assemble all the materials, you, you can see them organizing things. They probably had a warehouse for the wood, a warehouse for, 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 for the metal, for the gold, and for the, the iron that they needed, and the silver that they needed. And, and, and they started putting things together, and they probably made an inventory of what they needed. They knew what they had to make, and they, they began to 
to organize it. So, you know, I'm saying this for a reason. <laughs> we got an administrative team meeting after service today. You can see the need to organize all of these things so that they be done properly and you get the benefit of, 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 of what needs to be done. You, you actually accomplish what needs to be done. And so they had gotten to the point, how did they know they had enough stuff? Can you think about that? How did they know? They organized and set things in order. They had an idea of what they needed, and they began to count things up and, 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 and tally and say, hey, Moses, we got way more wood than we need. Hey, Moses, we got plenty of silver and all the gold. We got all the yarn we need, Moses, to make all the priestly garments. We got everything we need and much more. And they said, Moses, you got to tell the people to stop giving. We got nowhere else to put all this stuff. Can you imagine that? They had a big problem is that they had too much stuff. Too much. God got a sense of humor. God says, I'm going to give you a long list of things that I need and I want you to make. And I want you all to put it together and I want you all to come up with all the stuff that's needed. They had everything they needed and too much. God supplies the need. I want you to be reminded how God supplied this need. He did it through the ordinary means of working through the hearts of his people to each one of them do their part. That's how God did it. He's still doing things like that today. God can always do extraordinary things anytime he wants to. But he often uses his people. And here's the beauty of that. He allows me and you to participate in his work. He gives us the privilege to be a part of his work. He's saying, I want you, I've called you, I need you, I've gifted you, and I want you to develop that gift and use it for me, and I'm going to wrap it around with your brothers and sisters, and I'm going to make something wonderful from this. God gives us a part, an opportunity to be a part of his work. I want you to just take some time to reflect on that. Think about it. God supplies everything that's needed. God supplies the human resources that are needed. And God wants us to realize he's using us. often ask for volunteers for one thing or another, and sometimes I don't do it myself, but others in ministry here will ask for volunteers. You can't volunteer for everything. I understand that, and you shouldn't. But you should have a sense of how God wants you to be active, first of all, and developing the gift that he has you to develop. Now, all gifts aren't made to shine. You might have the gift of helping other people in unpleasant tasks. You might be the plumber. See, few people want to be the plumber, but nobody wants to need the plumber and not have them. I guarantee you that. Nobody wants to need a plumber and not have them. Are you willing to be the plumber? Are you willing to develop yourself? You say, well, I don't know nothing about plumbing. One of the tasks that Oholiab had was to develop and to train. I want you to see that in chapter 36. <clears throat> I'm sorry, chapter 35, verse 34. It's Bezalel there, and it's in verse 34. It says, he has inspired him, he meaning God, has inspired him, meaning Bezalel, to teach. 
In other words, take some of these craftsmen and develop them further. God wants you to use your gift. God wants you to share your gift and teach others. It, it, it may not be a, a flashy type gift. doesn't have to be. Everything that needs to get done isn't flashy. In fact, uh, praise God for those who, who, who work hard at things that don't always get noticed until they go wrong. <laughs> but they're faithful at that task. One of the things that Bezalel did was he trained the men that God had given him so that they could be used in this work. Maybe you recognize that you're in a, you're in a stage of training and you accept that. Or you need training and you know that. But don't stop at that. Are you putting yourself in a position for God to use you and to train you? Are you willing to be trained? Are you coming to, 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 to leaders and saying, hey, I don't know what I can do. I have an idea what I can do. Um, maybe there's other things I can do if I was trained and I'm willing to be trained. I'm willing to work wherever you give me so that I can learn more and do more. That kind of attitude. So we see that, that God is developing these individuals. Commit yourself to this process that God wants, wants to use you. Commit your hands. Commit your mind. Commit your heart to God's purpose. We had a few individuals who had become part of the church, and we had challenged them to a certain task, and right away they just kind of flipped it off and said, no, nah, 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 nah. in fact, they stated they were interested in that kind of thing, but when they were challenged with it, they shied away from it. I don't understand that. I do not understand that. God doesn't understand that. Don't come to sit. Come to be used of God. And if you've been sitting for a long time, you probably haven't asked the right person how you can be used. Ask that person. Challenge them to get you involved. And don't stop until they get you involved. God's work is a work. Is a work, <laughs> not a sit. <laughs> it's a work. It's something that all of us have to do. And God is gifting you with that ability to be used for God's glory. It is nothing more satisfying than being used in God's work. Being used in God's work. Commit yourself to that process. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Have you been cleansed of your sin by the blood of Christ? He says then, I commission you to do my work. Come and be a part of my work. Don't tell them what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Now, he has a specific task for you, specific job and, and thing for you to do. Search that out. Find that. I think skillful people around you will help you discover that. But don't sit on the sideline forever. Be used of God. Father, we thank you for your word today. It's a very practical word. Pray that you touch the hearts. That's just what you do. You touched individuals' hearts to give. You touch individuals' hearts to use their abilities to work hard and to be a part of accomplishing the task that you had for them. We pray that you use individuals today. Move in their heart to let them know that you want to use them. You made them for a purpose, and they need to submit themselves to you for that purpose. It's a great thing, Lord, to know that you don't throw any of us away. You have something for each of us to do. Help us to search that out, to find that out. Those who are leaders, Lord, give us wisdom, discernment to seek and to discover the abilities and the skills and the use for each one of your people. Then, Lord, give each of us that willingness to submit, to work in whatever area you place us in, 
recognizing that you will develop as you you develop us as you please in the way that you please and by the means that you choose. We submit that to you. Lord, if there's a group of people here today that's simply saying, I want to submit, even though I don't know all that you called me to do, I just want to say, use me. I pray that you would move hearts today to be there, just submitting to you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.